You're listening to a message from our Young Adult Bible Study. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you. To learn more about our ministry, go to peacechurch.cc slash youngadults. Check. Toast. Check. Toast. Oh, it's on. Is this on? Well, hello everyone. Um, I have an announcement and then an icebreaker. Announcement is uh, we just decided that we're going to do a costume party, I guess you could call it, contest, costume contest next week because it's literally Halloween, October 31st, next uh, Tuesday. So uh, we're going to throw in some big bucks towards a big, big, big gift card and whoever uh, gets voted best dressed wins it. So hear that now. I'm going to try to get it in the newsletter. I just texted Claire a question about the newsletter. <laughs> Maybe it'll be in the newsletter. Maybe it won't be. But hear it now that uh, next Tuesday we are doing a costume contest. So I know exactly what I wear because for all costume party related things, I bought one costume a decade ago and I still own it. So I'll wear the same thing I always wear. Um, but we'll see. And then we'll just vote. Just everyone that comes will just have a say and we'll just we'll pick. Um, so that happens next week, uh, and it's Halloween is, we're not really celebrating anything other than using it as an excuse to dress up, but you know what happened on October 31st? Reformation! So, Reformation Day is what it really is, so happy Reformation Day next Tuesday, and I want to see what you guys dress up as. There you go. Um, and yes, the, whatever I wore last year is the costume that I will wear. I won't tell you. I'll let it be a surprise. But um, uh, icebreaker at your tables. Uh, pick sides at your table. If you don't have an opinion, you're probably better for it. Uh, but pick a side. Marvel or DC at your tables? Marvel or DC? <laughs> it has to be. <laughs> or Star Wars. <laughs> you know what Star Wars is, though? Disney. And else is Disney? Marvel. Is it the same universe? I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, please raise your hand if you are right and believe that DC is better than Marvel. No one? Oh, thank you. Thank and Caleb. Three of us? DC people? Thank you. Thank you. All right, raise your hand if you prefer Marvel. Jeez. Did you say you don't really mean that? Of course I mean that. Superman's the best. Anyway, okay. Batman and Superman are top, t- top shelf superheroes. Everyone else is bottom shelf. No, they drop off after that. Okay. Um, now we're going to talk about the Bible. Um, we all have good days where everything just seems to work. And it's not necessarily that everything is going right, but we just bounce back. We're doing great. We're working. Called a good day. Um, we also all have bad days where things just seem broken. We feel broken. Uh, things might even be going all right, but we're just dragging on and just seems like We feel crushed under everything, unable to enjoy the moment. And if that is true day by day, it's also true season by season, week by week, month by month. We can be in a groove or we can be in a rut. 
And for me, I was in a rut. I don't remember exactly when it was, but at some point during college, I was in the rut of all ruts. Um, I was in what I clinically, what I call clinically exhausted. And I, I call it that. It's not what it's actually called. I, I didn't go to an actual clinic, but I think I should have because I was exhausted. Um, and I remember at one point, I had just five minutes to get to my next thing. Um, I just was bouncing constantly from class to class, job to job, position to position, person to person, professor to professor, and I was exhausted. My body was like telling me, stop, slow down. And at one point, I was walking through the student union, and I felt like I just couldn't move anymore. So I got a glass of milk from the cafeteria, and I just laid down on one of the couches in the student unions, and I just laid there and sipped my milk, praying that it would give me the strength to just get up and go to my next thing. So I just like hit this place of like, I don't care what anyone thinks of me in this moment. I, I'm going to act like this is my bedroom and just lay down and drink my milk. Um, so one of the things that got me out of that type of difficult season was an idea I heard from a Bible teacher. And I want to talk about that idea tonight. Um, it's an idea that has blessed me. I hope that it is, it is an idea that blesses you. It's a theological idea that I want to explore on the topic. This is the topic of pleasing God. Pleasing God. We're continuing our Proclaim series, taking the next step through our spiritual journey in Colossians 1, and we're going to be looking at that concept of pleasing God. I think that many of us drive ourselves to exhaustion trying to please God. And the Bible actually has some weight to bear on this topic. So let's go to God's word. We're going to read Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And we'll talk about this ethereal thing, pleasing God. The reason we go to scripture is because Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That is why we read scripture and this is what Colossians 1, 9 through 14 says. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So what is Paul saying here? Um, I want to focus in on the part of the verse where he talks about pleasing fully pleasing to him, pleasing God. But first, I just want to give some context of what he's overall, what is, what's Paul talking about? What's he doing? Um, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So Paul is praying and he refuses to stop. He's praying, and you can't stop him, and don't you wish you had a friend like that? Don't you love it when you do? Um, I'm praying for you, and you can't stop me. 
And he shares his prayer request to the Colossian church. He, he prays that they grow in spiritual insight. He prays that by growing in spiritual insight, by knowing God's will, that they would please God as a result. And that's our prayer here today too. We want to please God. And if we want to please God, then we should do what Paul was praying for them, which is to focus on God's word and grow in spiritual insight to please God. And then he describes what a, a, God, a God-pleasing life looks like. Bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. So the Christian life, the life that pleases God, is a life of bearing fruit and Jesus does, does the list he give uh, just sound kind of overwhelming? That that's the standard to please God. And all he's doing is just throwing out some of the things that he's thinking of, uh, of, of describing a life that pleases God. Um, but it can feel overwhelming. It can feel intimidating. Can we do all of that? But notice where Paul's, Paul takes it. We, we see that list being strengthened with power according to his glorious might, endurance, patience, joy, thankfulness, good work, bearing fruit, increasing the knowledge of God. We hear all that list and we hear that's, that's what pleasing God looks like. Can we do all of that? And then th- we see where he takes it next actually shows the reality of the Christian life. Is, it isn't you doing it. Christ has already done all of it. It isn't you doing it. It's Christ has done all of it and he is inviting us to it by the power of his redemption. So Christ has done it all, which means he has taken the weight of the standard. You've heard this is a standard you have to live up to, right? Live up to the standard. Jesus has taken the weight of that standard. So everything he talks about the Christian life, when it describes the Christian life, that isn't the standard we live up to. That's the standard that Christ has already lived up to. Instead, it's the life that we are invited into. You don't live up to it, you live into it. So it's not stuff that if we don't do these things, then we're damned. It's thing we have been redeemed by God. These are the things that we're invited to. He says, Thank, thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Because he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, the kingdom of light, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So in other words, the gospel is the point, the bedrock, the ultimate reason for all of it. It's the end result. The gospel is everything. The gospel is cosmic. Nothing is untouched by the gospel of salvation that we have in Jesus. We wouldn't even have any right to discuss scripture if it weren't for the gospel. Everything flows from this, that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. So what Paul is saying is, first he is praying. This is all a prayer. Paul is praying and Paul is praying that his friends would know God's will. So Paul is praying that his friends would know God's will. 
grow in spiritual insight by knowing God's will. And that he's praying that they would grow in God's will and by growing in God's will, they would live a life that pleases God. And then he describes this life. He lists incredible things. They're all for us. We're invited to them all. And at the summit of his reasoning, Paul plants the flag in on the gospel. And he says, Christ is preeminent over everything I just said. Christ is preeminent over all of it. All of the Christian life. He is preeminent over all the Christian life. He is preeminent over everything that takes to please God. So in other words, his prayer is grow in the knowledge of God's word, live a life that pleases God, and then be energized, be focused on the gospel. Our action, pleasing God, is sandwiched in, be- in between God's actions. God has given us revelation of his will. He's given us scripture. And then that's the front, that's the first bread. Second bread is he has given us the gospel of salvation. And so those are God's actions. Our actions are sandwiched in the middle of God's actions. The Christian life is living in response to the love of God and looking ahead towards the love of God. The Christian life is living in response to the love of God and looking ahead to the love of God. Our actions are sandwiched between God's actions. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So pleasing God, what does that mean? (laughs) It just sounds so heavy. The Bible has a lot of things to say about it, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a theological idea that changed my life to a degree. Pleasing God is not the same thing as being loved by God. Pleasing God is not the same thing as being loved by God. Pleasing God is something we do. Being loved by God is something we are. Pleasing God is something we do. We are called to it. We are meant to do it. We can actually fail at doing it. But being loved by God is not something we do. Being loved by God is something that we are. Being loved by God is something we can't change. Because loving us is something that God does. And he has chosen intentionally to do it. He has decided to do it, to love us. Pleasing God is something we do or don't do. But being loved by God is something we are. God has decided it. You can't change it. This is the difference between, here are the theological ideas, the two words. This is the difference between union and communion. Union with Christ and communion with Christ. Union and communion. Union with Christ, communion with Christ. Union with Christ, we are united to Christ. That is what he has accomplished. That is what his love 
does, his love on display is he has united us with Christ. We can't change the fact that he has united us to Christ. He has saved you. You are his. That is his love on display. He has united us with Christ. That is what God's love accomplishes. We are loved by God, united to God. He did that. Union. And then communion, think of the word communicate. Communion, relationship. We, can, we in response, can move toward him or move away from him. We can be in the word habitually or we can neglect it. We can pray without ceasing or we can ignore thinking about God entirely. We can walk in a manner worthy of our calling or we can forsake our calling, but that doesn't change the fact you're called. We can live into our calling, we can ignore our calling, but that doesn't change the fact that God is the one calling. So like any relationship, you have a responsibility towards it. That's our communion with Christ. A responsibility to communicate with him. To walk towards him. We can walk towards him, we can walk away from him, but we can't change the fact we're united to him. That is God's love. That he has united us to him. And it's what we do, communion, to walk towards him and please him. You can't change the love, but you do have a say in doing what pleases him. So follow him, bear fruit, and the promise of God is that he will help you bear more fruit as you follow him. I have a son, and I love him. His name is Hezekiah. You call him Kaya. You can call him Hezi if you want. I don't know, whatever nickname you think of. It's four syllables. You can think of a lot of fun things. I love my son. Nothing my son does could possibly change the fact that I love him because nothing could possibly change the fact that he is my son. But my son can do different things that please me or don't please me. I love my son, yet he can respond to my love in a way that doesn't make me happy. I love my son, and yet he can respond to my love in a way that I delight in him more. Paul is praying for his friends, and he narrows their gaze, he narrows their focus and our focus on God's word and God's gospel of salvation. And in the middle of that, he says, please God. We will only ever please God and live a life that pleases God, bearing Christian fruit, when we realize that our actions are always in response to his actions. His actions is an action of love, union. He unites us to him. We can never change that. We respond to his actions that we can't change. He has united us to him, and we respond to that by seeking to follow his will, seeking to please him, in our communion with him. So in light of all this, here's my challenge. Uh, my challenge to you is, and I've done this, and I'm sure a lot of you have done this in an implicit way or in, in your own way, but I want to challenge you guys in, in whatever way you think of doing this, find a time to get coffee with a friend.
And it doesn't have to be a f- someone in this room, but it does have to be a Christian, a brother or sister in Christ. Find time to get coffee with a friend and make it clear that this coffee time together, or whatever you are going to go do, your time together with this friend, make it explicit, is to have an intentional and encouraging conversation about your faith. An intentional and encouraging conversation about your faith walk. An intentional and encouraging conversation about how you are seeking to follow God and please God with your life. Confess your faith, confess your sins, share how you think, how you know, how you think God is leading you to better follow him. Why am I saying that? Because we should be doing that. We should be encouraging each other as Christian brothers and sisters. We should be encouraging each other to live a life that pleases God because that's for us. I'm not saying (coughs) that we should seek the salvation of our Christian friends because that's not something that we can change. He has united us to him. What I'm saying is encourage each other to better follow him to please our father who loves us. Um, And make it a point to do that soon. To have an encouraging intentional conversation with a friend. Here are some discussion questions for our group's Uh, first off read Colossians 1 9 through 14 read the passage Uh, what sticks out to you in the passage what questions come up when you read it what does this passage tell you about Jesus and then two last questions how does pleasing God relate to God's love for us and lastly this passage mentions a lot of things that God wants for us he describes the Christian life What are the things that are mentioned in the passage? Uh, Which ones do you experience? And which ones do you wish you experienced more? They're all for us. And the Holy Spirit is leading us into them um, to different degrees. He meets us where we're at and leads us accordingly to follow him. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to release us to our discussion groups. We'll talk for about 30 minutes and they'll come up. We'll do prayer requests at our tables and we'll end with uh, one last song of worship. Let's pray. Father, you are good and we just want to say that now. We want to confess our faith and say we love you because you first loved us. And Father, we want to follow you and we want to learn how to follow you better and live a life that pleases you for your glory and for our joy. So Father, I just pray for encouraging conversations I pray that you use your word to speak to us. And Father, that you'll be glorified in the rest of our evening here today. God, I pray that um, you just bless our conversations. In Jesus' name we pray.